Habits and Health, episode 55. Welcome to the Habits and Health podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. Brought to you by an educator and coach for anyone who wants to create a healthier life. Here's your host, Tony Winyard. Welcome to another edition of the podcast where we give you ideas to improve your health by implementing new habits. Today's guest, Tina McDermott, spent a last part of her life struggling with digestive issues. And we go into what happened, how she managed to escape from that, and what it is that she does now. So that's this week's episode, Tina McDermott. If you do know anyone who's got similar issues who may would, uh, really benefit from some of the uh, wisdom and suggestions that Tina shares with us, please do share the episode with them. Hope you enjoyed this week's show. Habits and Health. My guest today, Tina McDermott. How are you, Tina? I'm wonderful. Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much. And where in, well, I'm guessing from your accent, you're in the States. Where, where in the States are you? I'm in uh, Maryland. I'm in Maryland. Originally from New Jersey, and I've been living in Maryland for 20 years now. And uh, yeah, with strong roots in Italy as well. So I can okay. turn on an Italian accent for you if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you visited Italy much? I lived there. Yeah, my parents were both were both born and raised there, and I've been going back and forth my whole life. And uh, there was a part in my life at 27 I moved back there, and I guided bike trips all throughout mm-hmm. Italy and France and Holland, and I've been all over the place. It's fun. So yeah. where where is your favorite part of Italy? Ah, that's a tough one because my favorite parts are two places, and that's the island where my dad is from, which is a little island off the coast of Sardinia called um, La Isola di San Pietro, which is St. Peter's Island. Caloforte is the name of the town. And the other favorite place of mine is in the mountains where my mom grew up, and that's Umbria, a little tiny town called uh, <clears throat> Villa Coldecanali, which is near Gubbio, Assisi, if you know any of those. So those are my two favorite places. Well, I'm going to have to stop myself from talking, turning this whole episode into Italy because I've been to Italy many, many times. But yeah, we'll we'll <laughs> we'll get back onto the topic of what the actual podcast is about. So, <laughs> so I mean, the podcast is about health and habits and so on. And and you've got a story about you know some things that happened to you in your past. So, would you like to tell the listeners more about who you are and what, what your story is? Oh, boy. I would love to. And thank you for that invite. And and if I didn't say this, thank you for having me on your podcast, Tony. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. My story can uh, unfold in many different ways because I always had a lot of gastrointestinal issues growing up. And oh, my gosh, I'm going to be transparent to the world here, Tony. My siblings had a nickname for me, and it was an Italian word named puzza which means stinky, very embarrassing because no one understood why I had all of these digestive issues. No one understood. Well, hello. I had a lot of allergies to a lot of different foods and fast forward to my thirties. I've discovered that I had chronic Lyme. Now I am not going to make Lyme my story. I'm just stating a fact because it was my, I lived there in that story for a long time. But that's where it came from. I I had chronic Lyme from probably a teenager, knowing the symptoms, knowing everything. And, of course, I've cleaned all of that up, making mistakes here and there because I'm human. 
And so that's really like, why am I always, no one else has this gas and bloating and this embarrassment. It was terrible, terrible way to grow up. So that was one piece of it. And then when I was 19, my 23-year-old sister developed breast cancer. She survived 24 years and, of course, ultimately passed away 10 years now from breast cancer. That drove me, both the, the, the digestive upset, embarrassment through most of my teenage years, and the sickness of my sister drove me to want to learn more about health and wellness, how to not just help myself not get breast cancer and to alleviate all these gas and bloating symptoms and embarrassment, holy cow, and, but to share with the world share with the world um, how they as well can alleviate these signs of gas and bloating. And, 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 and I'm not even speaking about the emotional issues that I had from my sisters making fun of me. And, and, uh, and, uh, and it's not just the gas and bloating. They were also obsessed with losing weight and imposed that on me. Huh. So I wanted to share with the world how they can live a life that's full of health, full Mm. of vibrancy and free. And what I'm learning now with this freedom is free from dis-ease, right? Mm. Dis-ease, two words. And free from diets. Because I want to share with people that they need to live their lives healthy Mm. so that they can have the energy, so that they can fulfill, live a fulfilled life, whatever that fulfillment is for them. And that is my driver. And I have um, a, another sibling, sister. She looks at me and she says, Tina, how, why do you have such a drive? How, why are you so driven to be, to be on these TV shows and to do these podcasts and to do these cooking classes and to be a coach? You are so driven. And she was baffled. And I said, it was because of Anna. Anna has inspired me and she nudges me every single morning, every single day, all throughout the day. Hey, you got to go do this. You've got to, you've got to get the message out. You've got to get the message out. And that's my mission. And yeah, so that's my story in a nutshell, Tony. And I'm guessing Anna is your sister that passed away, isn't it? Yeah. She's my sister who transitioned and, and there's a picture of her behind my, my camera here. So I always look at her. And so in your in that journey, um, when was the the realizations you, you talked about changing your kind of eating habits and oh, yeah. and people focusing too much maybe on weight loss? I think it, you mentioned your siblings and so on. Yeah. Can you think of a particular time when things all started coming together in your mind around sort of health and wellness? Was was there a time? Was there a time? I think it was, it, when did it come all together? Hmm. It's a journey. It was my journey throughout my entire life. Hmm. I don't know if there was ever a time that there was a bell that went off. Right. It was, oh, okay, let me read this book about cancer, think outside the box. Oh, let me read this book on, um, what was the very first book? I'm trying to remember the name of it. And hopefully it'll come to me, Tony, and, and I'll, I'll blurt it out. But it was a, it was a, a book on vegetarianism. And this, I read this in my teenage years, and that really got me like light bulb. Wow, that's the way to get healthy. But unfortunately, I went down the unhealthy vegetarian route for many years. Hmm. 
much. So again, it was a process and a journey and a continuous <clears throat> learning throughout my life. Right. So I can't tell you there was any kind of major light bulbs right. or major like, oh my gosh, I had to transition my life. Mm -mm. It was continuous learning and experience working with people uh, as a personal trainer and then as a nutritional consultant. Now as a, uh, I am a weight loss coach. People right. come to me for weight loss and, and I, and I, and I, I, they start there, but I take them all the way back to let's, let's talk about fundamentals Mm -hmm. And deal with those emotional issues that are driving them to eat the foods that are not. Um, my philosophy on eating is eat foods that walk, fly, swim, and grow, right? Eat as close to the way that Mother Nature provided them for us. And the, the actual part of eating is, is, not, is the easy part. The hard part is getting around those emotional issues and mm -hmm. calming those down so that they don't go for that piece of cake or the, the donuts and the fast foods and, and the such, right? Calming those emotions down or coming to peace with them so that they want to naturally go for the apples or the oranges and, and the, 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 the vegetables. And yeah, so I hope that answers your question, Tony. Well, and, and you mentioned just then about when you started on a vegetarian path, you realized you were going down the wrong path. And so that, that was quite an interesting comment. And I'm wondering... From some of the other things you said, some of the other th explorations that you've done over over the last sort of you know however long it is, there were some other realizations you had. Maybe you started going down one path and you realized mm, maybe this isn't the right way to do it. I'm glad you asked. I was a vegetarian for probably ten <laughs> years in my, throughout my twenties, throughout my twenties, and. What I learned, it, okay, not, the, not what I learned. This is what happened. I would get very low blood sugar. This is before I knew about nutrition. This is before I studied nutrition. You know, I just read books up until now before I got certified. Yeah, I, up until then, I meant to say. And I would get la very low blood sugar. I was an athlete my whole life. I'm a cyclist. I used to, as uh, what is that called? Rollerblade. I used to run in the, in the woods. I'm always active, super active. And I would notice, oh my gosh, my blood sugar is going real. I don't feel good. And I would instinctively go for tuna fish. Oh, I'm not cheating. I'll be a pescatarian once a week. It's fine. And then I would immediately feel better. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was one of the things my, uh, I remember I wrote, I wrote a, a chapter in a book that I collaborated with other friends about this. I was in the subway in France, coming home from France with a very heavy bag, carrying it through the subway. And I finally got to the train and I passed out. Wow. My blood sugar was so low that morning because I think that I had a glass of orange juice. This I'm in my twenties. I don't know anything about nutrition. That's all I had, but my blood sugar tanked. Oh, I'm hypoglycemic. Sure. Now, thank goodness I did have a banana that I could munch on a couple pieces of banana, bring my blood sugar back up. But that, again, I told you it was a journey, drove me to learn even more. Like, mm -hmm. why did that happen to me? I cannot just blame hypoglycemia, right? So now I'm trying to bring this back around. So help me out, Tony. Where were we here? We were talking about some of the kind of wrong paths that you realized you the were wrong, Thank you. The wrong, thank you. And, and the other part, again, we, people talk about IBS, right? Hmm. That it's either you go one direction or the other direction of constipation. I hmm. had a lot of constipation issues. 
Mm. It was terrible, absolutely terrible. So the low blood sugar issues, the constipation issues, still gas and bloating, not as bad as in my teens, but still there. And I just started researching more. I started reading more books. I started going to classes on nutrition and becoming certified as a nutritional consultant. And, and one day I was in Italy. I was in Italy. It was uh, in my early 30s, I think it was, or was it my late 20s? Early 30s. And a friend of mine, brought, uh, we went for a picnic and he brought um, prosciutto. I hadn't had prosciutto in 10 years. And I decided, all right, I'm going to have a piece. So I did. So I ate some and I just felt really good. I felt really good. And I realized that it was okay for me to eat a little bit of meat here and there. And again, through my journey, through my learning, through my teaching, I realized my body, not everybody's body, but my body really loves to have the animal protein as well as a ton of vegetables, as well as a balanced, balanced amount of fat and Packaged foods, you know, are a no-no, right? And the sugars, and I, I, anyhow, that's how I realized that it was imbalanced for me. Hmm. And so when was the, well, when did you have the, when did you realize about the balance that, too often we, you know, experts tell us we should be eating this way and this way, and it's just this generic information, which is supposedly valid for everyone. So when did you have the realization that what works for you is not necessarily what works for anyone else? Uh, I don't know if that was a realization, but again, a journey, a study. uh, And and, um, not just study with the the books, but also study with my clients over the years. I read a book called the... um, I'm thinking the Flavor Point Diet, but that's not the one. The Blood Type. it, it It was the Blood Type Diet. Now look... Again, I want to tell you, I do not subscribe to any kind of capital D, capital I, capital E, small T's out there. I absorb what they have to say and I will implement. So what did I learn from this book? I learned about the origins of humankind. We're from Africa. And as we migrated up north, we um, had blood type A's, blood type AB's. And, but we all originated from blood type O in blood type O, very athletic, need protein. A's don't need protein. A, B's can do a balance of both, right? So you take all of this and I ask my clients as I go through their health history and I listen to them and I have seen that the O types do so much better with some animal protein. The A's not so much. Maybe a little bit of fish they do okay with. The AB is balanced. They need a, a complete balance. So I take that into consideration, but it is not doctrine for me. It's not law that, oh, you're an O, you have to, right? What works for you? Hmm. What works for you? It's not what works for me. It's what works for the individual. And some people are steadfast in um, being vegan. I, Mm. I don't judge. Let's find the right path for you. If you want to be vegan, I have this one client. She is now vegan the last several months and a resentful vegan because it was what her husband wanted, Mm. not what she wanted. So back to those emotional issues, Mm. right? 
back to those emotional issues and, and the communication between her and her husband that she, and now she's being a junk food vegan versus a healthy vegan. So we have to hmm. work with those, the communication piece, the emotional piece to have her have that conversation with her husband that she would like to be a temporary vegan and maybe venture into a little pescatarianism. So anyhow, I hope that answered your question, Tony. And I, and I loved what you just said about that book and that you, there were some things you took from that book, which have stayed clearly stayed with you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've often found, I mean, I, I'm a prolific reader. I read so many different books and, and I found that there are, I don't, I don't like to say that a book is bad because there's always, well, usually there's something that I'll take from a book, even if it's only like a couple of paragraphs maybe. And then there's other books where I just pages and pages are just, you know, but there's always, there's usually there's something that you can take from a book and then you just can't start kind of piecing things from different books in, in your own mind, don't you? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and what I personally, I, I love that you said that I personally have pieced together what I, that's knowledge. And now I apply that knowledge to my individual clients and to mm. my teachings, to my webinars, to my cooking classes. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. My philosophy is eat foods that walk, fly, swim, and, or grow emphasis on grow, eat the way that mother nature taught us, eat balanced not rocket science. So who, what kind of people is it that are coming to you? What do they typically have sort of similar issues? Why do they seek you out? Who is it? Hmm. Uh, my, the typical person that is attracted to me, because I'm, I'm an attractor of the people that want me, my personality, how I, how I teach, how I coach, um, is typically an entrepreneurial woman. <laughs> an right. entrepreneurial woman who she just... She's focused, focused, focused on her business and needs to find that balance between work, self-care, and family. Work, self-care, and family. So that's predominant, My the people that I attract. And I have other people, of course, office workers, women, mostly women. I have some men that are attracted to my programs and... Yeah, I have one man. He's a sailor. He sails all around the world. So what part of the world are you in today, Joe? It's fun. It's a lot of fun. I love it. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Habits and Health Podcast, where we believe that creating healthy habits should be easy. If you know a friend or a loved one who might be interested in learning simple habits to improve their health, then please share this podcast with them. We also invite you to subscribe and to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to the show. And you you mentioned about self-care and self-care is such an important um, issue for for women, I think, particularly. And so many women just really neglect that that area. Mm -hmm. Most women are nurturers. Hmm. And well, we're, we're all nurturers, and they emphasize on the nurturing of others versus nurturing themselves. I had a client the other day, and it was all about everyone else in her family, feeding them what they wanted. And through the coaching, I, she came to realize that I needed that she needed to be self-full, full of self, not selfish, but self-full. 
and make healthy meals, not just for her, but for the entire family, but starting with her in mind. And I gave her the analogy, Tony, of being on an airplane. Mm. Everyone knows this analogy. The masks come down. Whose masks do you put on first? Not the babies. You put yours on first. Mm. If the babies pass out, it's okay. You'll, as soon as you put the oxygen on them, they'll come up. Mm. But if you cannot take care of you, you pass out and everybody dies. Okay. Mm. And it's the same thing in a, 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 a specifically a women nurturer who is mostly nurturing, taking care of everybody else in their business, everybody else in their family, and they come third. They need to come first. We need to come first. Take care of you. And I, I, re- I don't have children. I have dogs, Tony. And I have three dogs, two cats. And I would wake up in the morning, and the first thing after I brush my teeth was take care of the dogs. And, and, and I've shifted that, remember, this, this journey, these things that I've, ch- I've shifted that literally over the last year. Now I wake up, I take care of me, not mm. just brush my teeth. I take care of me first, and then I let the dogs out, and then I go for a walk with them once I am taken care of. Self-care is a conversation that I like to have with every person as you come first, because if, if I fall apart, then the whole household falls apart. If, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. One more thing. If I have bad energy, if I have bad energy, if I'm just frustrated, I didn't take care of myself and I'm out walking the dogs, do you know that they are awry? They, they are terrible on the walk. They feel my energy. And the same thing goes with your family, your children, your coworkers. They feel that neglected energy of yours, that you're frustrated you didn't take care of yourself. Mm. So take care of self so that you can take care of everyone else. And thank you. Well, and I was going to just follow on from what you were saying about do any of your clients find it, find that really difficult to, to, cause they, they still, even though what you've told them in their mind, it's still being selfish about taking care of themselves and not taking care of other people first. Mm-hmm. Do any of them really struggle with that? Yes. Yes. It's a, um, a reminder that needs to stay in place. And this is why, Tony, I coach people for six months to a year because mm. it takes time to change habits. Yeah. It takes time because we're creating new habits now, right? We're creating yeah. new habits and we need the, the accountability of a coach. And, and that coach could be somebody, a family member, uh, a friend, it doesn't have to be an actual coach. You could have an accountability partner. Okay. However, I love coaching. I feel that coach is the number one um, piece that can help shift people very gently from where they are to have them soar to where they need to go. So with the coaching that truly helps um, them with being self-full. For example, the conversation I had with the woman the other day, she had that realization. Oh my gosh, I really need to take care of myself. And she didn't, she's not continuing on with me right now because she had this great epiphany and okay, I've got to do this on my own. I guarantee you in about a couple weeks time, she'll call me and say, Hmm, you know, I really, really need the coaching and because I've forgotten about myself again. Mm-hmm. So you need the constant until you can, the constant reminder, the constant coaching until you can, you've created that new habit. 
that you come first. So yes, it's a struggle because that's the way you've lived for so long. And now it's time to switch it up. Is, is there any clients or former clients that you can think of where they they have made that change? They've realized the importance of self-care and it's made a real transformation somehow in, in their life. Again, even for my clients, it's a journey. It's an absolute journey. I have a client that I've been working with for many years now, and she has a very, very stressful family life, family dynamics, and it's constant stress on her. And I implore with her on the normal, on a normal basis, that she needs to take care of herself. And she has come such a far away with being a caretaker to uh, an ill person. It's very, very challenging. And now every morning she doesn't start, she works 12 hours a day. It's obscene. And now she is taking her mornings to herself and starting work, not at 6 a.m., but at 10 a.m. And the next step for her is for her to not even look at her phone until 10 a.m. Because the moment that you look at the phone, which is an addictive piece, changes your brain to work mode, even if you're going to go on and play a game. So what we talked about was she needs to take nature breaks. And nature break does not mean watch a movie or play a game on your phone and or look at your email here and there and try to do work while you're trying to relax. It's take a complete break. Uh, I can tell you that working with me over the last several years of this uh, highly stressful life situation, again, it's ups and downs, but most more ups than downs with her she has stayed sane for the most part, and she's been able to manage not only her incredible business at her home life, as well as manage all of the, uh, the doctor's visits and the trips and all of that in such a way that she's a champion. I mean, I salute her every single time for being able to be that pillar for her family. Yeah. You mentioned you've you've kind of hinted a couple of times about how you've been helping people. I think it was with with cooking in some way. So can you tell me more about that? Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh, I just love I glow when I talk about cooking. I uh, I offer cooking classes for my corporate clients right from my own kitchen. I'm virtual. I used to do them in person and now I'm all virtual. So people come into Tina's Joyful Kitchen. And I do, I teach them, uh, normally I do like a main dish, a side dish, and then a dessert because yes, you deserve to have dessert. There's healthy ways to eat desserts. And yeah, so I present to them and I teach and it's not just, okay, this is how, you know, you, 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 you make the chicken and how you make uh, steamed broccoli or roasted broccoli. And it's, I teach them why they need to be careful of their, their, um, their spices, 
they need to be careful what spices they use to avoid MSG. Make your own salad dressing so that we get really good oils in our body as opposed to the rancid oils from jarred dressings that are full of not just rancid oils, but MSG. That, and I explain to them how it passes the blood-brain barrier and it excites those brain cells so much that they die. And, 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 and I, I do not talk science. I want to talk where everybody can understand and get it right away. I don't want, and, and, and I like the science myself, but I don't want to talk too much scientific things with people because I want the general person to really get it and understand uh, how easy it is to make a dressing. It's so easy. Incredibly easy. <laughs> so, so, and I'm educating throughout. So I'm not just cooking. I'm teaching them knife skills. I'm teaching them uh, how to cut an onion. I'm teaching them why use uh, wooden chopping blocks or cutting boards versus uh, any of the others. I'm doing a class tomorrow called the Essential Kitchen, Tony, and I cannot wait. And it's all about what are the right cooking utensils to use. The I love the cast iron skillets and, and what kind of containers should you use to store your food in? Which kind of gadgets should you get rid of and which one should you keep, right? So I'm going to talk all about that. This is going to be my first time presenting this. I'm just super excited about that. So yeah, that's what I do. I've been uh, teaching within corporations, weight loss classes, cooking classes, coaching programs, workshops for a long, long time, 15 years something like that. It's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. I love it. And, and I'm wondering if when you, so you said 15 years you've been doing that. And so yeah. before you started doing that, it sounds like that you've kind of grown up in an environment where you were maybe taught cooking from your mum or whatever. And so it was kind of almost normal for you is, is, is the impression I'm receiving. But many people, that's not the life that they've grown up in. And, and cooking is a, like, a, like a foreign environment from them. So when was it you first realized the power of, of showing people, helping people with cooking? Oh, what a dynamic question. I think from the, okay, so obviously, you know, I grew up in an Italian family. I'm in the kitchen with my mom. I go food shopping with my mom. When we go to Italy, we're on the farms. I know that food comes from a farm and then you bring it to the kitchen and you prepare it lovingly with your family and you eat together. And that's the way I grew up, where today people think that food comes from a fast food restaurant, from a drive-thru, right? And so I have always loved feeding people and cooking with people and showing them that this is where life comes from. This is where the energy comes from. My clients, my morning clients, when I was personal training all the time, they're like, Tina, where do you get your energy? How much coffee did you have? I'm like, I don't drink coffee. My energy comes from the way I live, the way I eat, the way I sleep, the what I drink. It's just this is normal for me. So I, the realization of transforming people, ah, I'm trying to remember like an exact time because you can never leave my house without food, like take home food. Okay, you never leave my house with either having eaten with me and or taking food home with you. My grandma, anytime you visited her, did you eat? Yeah, oh, yeah, we just ate dinner. No, no, sit down and let, let, let's eat. It's family, it's togetherness, it's love, it's joy. I remember one time uh, I was doing a, a weight loss workshop within a corporation 
And I decided one of these eight weeks, we're going to do a cooking class. Right? No, I think what happened, it was, I was doing a, an eight week cooking course. Instead of doing the eight week workshops of the coaching and the talking and the checking in, I did an eight week cooking course. And at the end or towards the end of this cooking course, this one client, she said to me, Tina, I'm making salads in a jar now. Just coming up here and cooking with you, because they would come up and, and cook with me and make salads in a jar and take them home. Just the, the interaction with you and hands in the, the mix really clicked with me. I realized, Tony, that day when that client said to me, I understand how to cook food now, and I am cooking food all the time with my sister. She lived with her sister. I'm cooking all the time at home, and it clicked with her. And that's when I realized the power of cooking classes hmm. and how people really get it when they're working with you and they're doing things with you. So I have people cook with me. It's wonderful. I hmm. love it. During the show, and other people just watch, and they interact by typing in the chat box. And, and, and one of the things that people tell me all the time is that, Tina, you've captivated me. How did you keep my attention the whole time? I did. So it's made me wonder whether you've had any clients who have been in a situation where, I don't know, maybe they've grown up where most of the food they grew up with was like processed food and, and they didn't even, and I'm wondering, it's almost like there's the, there's a story about there's two fish swimming and there's an older fish swims by and said, morning boys, how's the water? And then they swim past and say, what the hell is water? And it's like, I wonder sometimes if people who have grown up eating processed food all the time aren't even aware that they're, they're eating processed food in some ways. You know, that is so interesting that you said that because I believe that that is true, that people don't are not aware. And through my courses and through my teaching, I help people understand how to read labels. And again, it's a journey. It's a process for people. I agree with you. They don't realize that the food that they're eating is processed food. And that's why I need to show them. This is what a tomato looks like. This is what an onion is. And this is how you chop an onion. This is uh, fennel. Have you ever had fennel? This is what it looks like. This is what it tastes like. This is broccoli. This is how you cut it up. This is how you steam it. Mm. Broccoli is wonderful. So yeah. And I agree with you. There's people that just don't understand that because they weren't brought up in that environment. And that is my joy to teach them. So do you, so you, it sounds like you're, you're doing some one-to-one -one coaching and you're doing kind of online stuff as well. Do you have a preference in terms of working with individuals or groups online, face-to-face? -face? What, what, what do you love to do most? I love coaching. I, I love it all. I love everything that I do. And yeah, the, the teaching, the cooking is fundamental and the coaching is really where people make the most shifts, the faster shifts and the faster moving forward with their health and their wellness with the coaching. I coach one-on-one -on -one and I also have groups. Right. Yeah. So my one-on-one -on -one clients go into the groups if they want. Mm -hmm. Well, we talked a few, a little bit about books earlier in the, uh, in the recording. What is there? Um, is there a book you can think of that's really moved you for any reason? <sighs> 
One of my favorite books, I've been, I've read it probably nine times, maybe listened to it nine times, listened to it nine times, read it once, uh, The Big Leap by Gay Hedricks. And that really, really, every single time I listen to it, I get one more thing from it that launches me forward. And I encourage everyone, whether you want to get healthier, whether you want to um, have a better business, whether you just want to find what is your mission in this life, listen or read that book from The Big Leap. And it really helps you move forward in your life and stop um, putting limits on yourself. Mm. Helps you become unlimited. Yeah, that's, that's a good way of putting it. Helps you become unlimited. And one of the things that I told you earlier, my sister nags me all the time. My, my deceased sister, she's always nagging me, you know, you got to do better. You got to reach more people. And, and, and this year, listening to the book again, I realized I need to be on the big stage doing keynote talks, not just these webinars for 20, 30, 40 people that are in my webinars and in my cooking shows, but I need to be on big conferences, big stages, doing these keynote talks to really bring home health and wellness and, and how you can find that unlimited energy and that unlimited life because the the sky's the ceiling. <laughs> there is no ceiling to what you can do, be, have in your life or be, do, have. So if people want to find out more about you and your, your website, your social media, any talks you might be delivering, where, where would they go to? Um, please see me on the YouTube channel. It's Tina's Joyful Kitchen. You could also reach me, Tina, Mc, tinamcdermott.com slash cooking show. That will take you right to my, my cooking show on YouTube. You can just find me, tinamcdermott.com. Yeah. And is there, do you have a quotation you particularly like? You know, I came up with this, I think I was 19 years old. And my quote is, dare to dream and turn your dreams into reality. And why does that stay with you? Always has, because people feel limited. I felt limited. And, and I'm like, no, I am going to dream my life and I am going to create because I am the creator of my life. And I've learned, even though I came up with that quote in my early twenties, it, st it still lives with me because I want to still create and be and do and have everything that I want in my life. And I feel that everyone needs to just dare to dream and take that dream and make it, create it a reality because you're worth it. And that's, you know, find your mission in life. Tina, it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you very much. Thank oh, you. Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Next week, episode 56 is with Robin Rothenberg. She uh, created or she published a book a couple of years ago called Restoring Prana, a therapeutic guide to pranayama and healing through the breath. And she is a specialist in helping yoga instructors and yoga therapists to really focus on the breathing and to really get the breathing right because she's done, she did a lot of research in the origins of yoga and the origins of pranayama and really went into into detail into the science of breathing and kind of coupled that together with the ancient origins and and that was what the book was about it was a fascinating book um, i read it a couple of years ago 
and Robin is a guest on next week's show and we we get in we talk a lot about about yoga about yoga therapy about breathing um, and yeah a lot of subjects around those areas so that's next week episode 56 with Robin Rothenberg hope you enjoyed this week's show if you know anyone who gets some value from some of the <laughs> the great information that Tina shared please do share the episode with them and hope you have a great week Thanks for tuning in to the Habits and Health Podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Sign up for email updates and learn about coaching and workshop opportunities at TonyWinyard.com. See you next time on the Habits and Health Podcast.